be on the dugout. Lay some up and we run out. Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out. Pitch you on the mound like you don't wanna face this. Hit it so hard, you be running around the bases. Do it for your teammates, do it for the fan. Do it for your city, true ballers understand. You gotta work together, you gotta find a way. Put your body on the line and make that play. Be on the dugout. Lay some up and we run out. Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out. Pitch you on the mound like you don't wanna face this. Hit it so hard, you be running around the base. Be on the dugout. Be on the dugout. Be on the dugout. Be on the dugout. Well, a very pleasant good evening to you here on Drive Time, 21st of May, for episode six of Beyond the Dugout. I'm Jason Gerbys, aka Chopper, and always my co-host in this one, Damien Collins. G'day, Chop. G'day, everybody. Welcome back to the 04, mate, and what a glorious day it is here. I had to start with that too, buddy. Got to say, man. have to throw it in. You've been throwing us under the bus lately. No doubt, no doubt. Flew in this week, man. Blue skies, picturesque, and the weather has been great. Okay, balmy, a little balmy first (laughs) thing. About 15 degrees, but better than what it has been the previous weeks, man. It's a postcard week this week in Wellington. Well, cliche as it is, you can't beat Wellington on a good day. Hey, at least you don't have the wind here at the moment. (laughs) <laughs> no, you don't, don't indeed, and it's fantastic to be back here, man. Really looking forward to uh, this week's episode. But a lot's been going on with sport here locally in New Zealand and also around the world. How about we kick off with the uh, Trans Tasman Rugby mm. uh, got uh, got underway in the weekend, and, and the first time in saying that New Zealand's been able to play abroad, uh, you know, without restriction. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome to see uh, our boys take on the Australian counterparts again. Um, you know, it's a, it's a stepping stone to having international sport again, isn't it? And having that trans-Tasman bubble is, um, yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty awesome to have that back. So five of the New Zealand Super franchises got across to Australia to play the five Australian Super Rugby franchises against each other, and they're going to play a five-week competition mm-hmm. The winner of those games, they're going to play the other other countries' teams, and then the uh, the top two teams are going to play the final of that. So that should be exciting to see. Um, a couple of big scores from that will get to the top of the table clash, i.e. the winner of the Australian and the New Zealand Conference. But, boy, first, your Hurricanes mm-hmm. playing the Waratahs. 112 points in the match. Please explain. Yeah, just a couple of points. Eh? Uh, boys just wanted to get out there and run them up, but obviously didn't want to do as much tackling as well. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, 112 points, mate, in a rugby game. That's, uh, yeah, it's pretty out there, isn't it? 64-48, the Hurricanes' victory over New South Wales Waratahs. Um, to me, though, man, I always like seeing, and we didn't see him a hell of a lot this season, Dane Coles. Back of the Ford pack with the Hurricanes. Oh, love, love Colsey. He signed on for another couple of years, um, which is good to see. You know, a lot of people speculated that he was at the end of his career, so it's awesome to see. And he's wearing that C jersey this week as well, back in the two jersey. He's always um, had some uh, some stellar young young guys coming up through the ranks on his toes, but to see Colsey uh, still in there is, is pretty special. Uh, top of the table clash, we talk about um, the Crusaders and the Brumbies. As we mentioned, the Aotearoa champion and the Australian champion from their conference up against each other in Game 1. What a blockbuster that was. Richie Moanga was outstanding, contributing with a try and then converting everything. But the Brumbies, man, they were behind, come back and scored late, two late tries. But unfortunately, uh, their kicker, Noah uh, Lolesio, couldn't get that final conversion to tie it up in the last minute. 
it always comes down to those inches and those uh those little points there for to that you need to get over the Crusaders, eh? You know, they they'll claw for everything. So um hopefully someone can knock them over this season. Well, the home game for the Hurricanes uh, tonight uh, will be kicking off at 7 o'clock where the Hurricanes will take on the Rebels. So that'll be one if you're in the Wellington region to get along to it. should be lots of good matches again this weekend. Look forward to seeing more of that marching on. But all Kiwi teams were victorious on week one. 5-0. and Perfect. 5-0 over those Aussies. Yes. We'll take that any day. Other- sorry, sorry, those Australian listeners. I know there's a few. Yeah. I like the other trans-Tasman competition, uh, of course, it's Australians, the Rugby League, NRL. Mm. Uh, things still seem to be progressing along. Same. The top teams seem to be victorious. Unfortunately, our uh, Warriors just couldn't last against Parramatta, but Parramatta the real deal this year. They've only lost the one match so far, but Penrith undefeated, man, and put on another fine performance last week. I was talking to Sir Peter the other day. Yeah. Speaking of the Warriors, you know, well, he's, uh, he's a big fan of what we're doing, promoting the game of softball. Yeah, he, he's awesome. Um, How good would that interview be? Yeah, without it. Actually, we got to get him on for sure. i tell you what. I, Do we uh, need to go over to Waiheke? I think we should. Right, let's, we should take it on the road. Pack it up, pack it up. Yeah, yeah. Without that, I remember um, uh, running into him one of the first times in and around softball that is not rugby league uh, with Sir Peter Leach, and uh, it was at uh, Evo Drive International Series in the Northrua Stadium, and I think it was like the patron or something like that for for soccer New Zealand at the time. And man, just the way. I'm not going to say he's abrupt, but you know he's just straightforward and honest. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. you either listen to him. Well, you just shut up and listen to him, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, you know he's a good character. I got to um, MC the Warriors game at the Caketon uh, a couple of years ago and uh, do the the um, coin toss with him and the captains before the game. Uh, I think it was the Sharks Warriors, and um, yeah, no, nah, awesome guy, awesome guy. Fantastic. Well, his his Warriors, he's like the the yeah, uh, number one fan. But don't tell him that because he will not. He's he's not the number one fan. He has met so many fans. He just oh, he's just all about the game. He is indeed. So a little closer to home, mate. Uh, the um, basketball. How's that going? Yes, of course I do love my basketball. Yeah, Sal's NBL. We're in the fourth uh, fourth round, even though it's week five. I don't know how they work that out. Uh, Saints are still undefeated on four and zero. But uh, the Hawks, I got them wrong with the Huskies last week. The Huskies were only dropped one up until last week. But Hawks Bay Hawks, they've always been a, a pretty good team uh, there or thereabouts, and they're undefeated as well. So uh, Bulls this week, Huskies next week for us. And then, um, yeah, it's uh, com- but so much good talent out there at the moment. Uh, so many so many young Kiwi ballers uh, stepping up and, um, yeah, shining. It's awesome. I did hear uh, pre-season that the Hawks were one of the favourites coming into the season. Yeah, they've always had a really good setup. Yeah. Um, their previous head coach, Zico Coronel, who's a basketball genius, has come back home to the Saints. So he's a head coach of the Saints for his first season after being, I think he was the assistant for about 10 years. But, um, yeah, they've always had a good setup. They know how to do their ball and um, – and yeah, the the there they almost gave us uh, always uh, almost ended our dream season in 2019 of going undefeated um, up until the last quarter we were down by 20, and then the Saints boys came back and won in the down last quarter by oh, 20. Mate, it was unreal. I uh, did the mission to Christchurch to to watch the final and cheer on my boys, and we were all sitting in the stand silent like up until the last quarter. Like, what do we do? And me being the announcer and MC for the boys the last five years. 
getting the crowd going yeah. and and the boys said they could hear me and nice. hear, hear the crowd going but that last quarter they came through and pulled it out but yeah we were like how how we we beat everyone and then yeah the hawks bay hawks that last up until that last quarter they had us the last two minutes in basketball mate it's phenomenal. It's like Doctor Who's TARDIS, right? Yeah. It seems to go forever the way you can manipulate the game uh, to get the most out of it. And the amount of points that are scored in those last two regulation minutes is, is phenomenal. Oh, it's nothing like the NBA. I mean, they really play play the game. You know, they've got their timeouts to use and everything. But yeah, that last 20 seconds or even a minute can last a good few, 10, 10 minutes sometimes, you know, and um, it's intense. It's intense. Edge of the seat stuff. I love it. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, uh, abroad now, NBA, uh, sorry, the uh, MLB, the uh, the baseball and the States. Well, a couple of usual suspects are uh, top of the table. Some of the, the preseason favourites are right around there and the Chicago White Sox and also Oakland are playing really well. But San Francisco have come out of nowhere the top of the end division at the moment. So I'm not too sure how they're doing that, but boy, oh boy, congratulations to them. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I always get schooled on my, my baseball from you. I'm trying to keep up, but, you know, it's a process. But um, I, I saw the emails in the fantasy this week that I got a no-hitter, so yeah. I'll, I'll take that to the bank, mate. There you go. Turnbull for the Detroit this week. Congratulations, <laughs> buddy. Yeah, not too bad. I think you won like three in a row, two in our fantasy baseball league this week. Let's go. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> man. Got a question to you around the baseball. Yes. There was a match this week between mm. the Chicago White Sox and Minnesota. <laughs> the game was in the last innings, 15 point runs to four. The White Sox are leading Minnesota at this point. Minnesota is like, okay, we can't, you know, at that point you've got to save your pitches for the next game because you play every day there, mm-hmm. right? Um, so they put in a positional player. Now this happens in baseball from time to time, and that's just to soak up an innings or maybe two, depending on how bad it has got because there's no run rule uh, in baseball, you see. Um, and so they did that, put on a positional player. Up comes the catcher for the White Sox, uh, uh, a rookie but a phenom this year in Yerman uh, Mercedes. He gets a 3-0 and count. Remember, they're up by 15 points to 4, 11 runs, uh, and, and they're in the ninth innings, the last innings. 3-0 and count, so three balls, no strikes. The positional player just I'm just going to throw a strike, so he just throws it right down the middle, nice and fat, slow as type thing, and Mercedes just launches it launches. for a massive home run. On the 3-0. and Unwritten rule in baseball, sportsman conduct, you don't swing at that pitch because the next pitch is going to be three, and what's a hitter's count anyway? If you get another good pitch yeah. like that, sure, smash them to pieces. What's your view on that? Well, it's like the last 24 seconds in a game. If you're up in a basketball game, you don't take a shot if you're up by 10 or something, you know. Um, yeah, it's etiquette. It's etiquette. I mean, the poor guy on the mound. The first time I saw the video, I actually thought, that pitch is terrible. But then, you know, I looked into what was actually happening. So the fact that he launched it off 15-4, I don't know, man. I, nah, nah, you just... Take the walk, wouldn't you? Well, but see out the game. I don't know, man. I don't yeah, know. You know, look for me, man. I love dingers, and 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 I love it's the excitement. Dingers. I don't mind about guys pimping it a bit and stuff like that. Um, and I also don't mind it a pitcher shouting out when he strikes someone out or whatever the case is. I think it's good for the game. It mm. makes it more exciting. I just think sometimes in certain situations like that, you, you got to take the brake. You know, take the foot off the accelerator a little. Mm. Um, and, and we see it, in, like you said, in basketball, we see it in softball as yeah. well when guys are ahead and maybe might take an early lead off a base to give them the last out to get out of the innings because mm. you can tell the other team's just struggling that day. 
or in that situation. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, their coach, Tony LaRusso, he's like, I've had to talk to him and it will never, ever happen again. Yeah. So I think, you know, he's passed on, passed <laughs> the, on the message. Got the slap on the wrist. Yeah. yeah. Playoff time for the NBA. Yeah, mate, we're down to playoffs. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, those uh, how they've done it, the playing system. So seven to ten get another shot. So the the top eight isn't secured. Um, but yeah, be interesting. But um, hey, mate, um, it's playoff time. So that's when you see lots more NBA basketball fans come out of the woodworks. Whereas me, I watch every game all year round. Um, so yeah, no playoffs are always exciting. Our man Stephen Adams, how's he been going? He's been injured, mate. Um, I, I think the last uh, last interview I saw about him, um, he uh, was a surplus to requirements this year. He doesn't really fit in with the Pelicans type of ball, which is which is interesting because they've got a really good young side. And I mean, Zion Williamson could be the next LeBron James if if he goes goes right. Well, that's the talk about him, you know. So I don't know. I hope he lands somewhere if if he isn't still with the Pelicans next season because their season's over. Um, I hope that he does get picked up by someone that can use a big because bigs aren't used as much as they used to because it's a shooter's game now, you know? So I hope that he'll find the right team and can dominate at centre again. Don't want to put you on the spot. Hmm. Who wins the NBA this year? Man, I don't know, man. Um, I just put you on the spot? Yeah, yeah, of course you did. Um, (laughs) Hey, mate, I, I, I'm a massive LeBron fan. I've been a LeBron fan since day one. That's because I'm a dirty Cleveland fan. Um, and we just landed LBJ. It just is what it is. But, I mean, uh, hey, there's been some teams coming out of the woodworks. I'd love to see the Knicks in, in, in the end, but I don't know if that will happen. Even the Suns, they were, like, down at the bottom last year, and now they're second on the table going into the playoffs. So, hey, mate, I reckon it could be anyone's game. I just don't want to see the Clippers win, <laughs> and I don't want to see the Nets win because they're both stacked and I'm still not a fan of the super, super team, you know? Okay, did you ride the fence on that? Or <laughs> did I? <laughs> the team that's going to win the title this year. I just threw out about a few, didn't I? Nah, if, if they keep on going the way they're going, no, nah, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Are you trying not to hex your team? Yep, pretty much. Okay. Just leave it as is, mate. Okay. <laughs> All right. Maybe next week you might make it a prediction. We'll find out. Well, well, next week the playoffs will be certain. So I don't want to. I don't want to jinx it until the certain. Right. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Well, well, uh, we'll leave the NBA prediction till next week when Damien's growing a set. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about a set, man. Mark Sorensen last week. What a legend. What a career. What a great guest, man. I know it was a long interview. But boy, he's got so. And to be fair, we could have talked to him for another two and a half hours. Easy, 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 easy. Yeah, um, we still had a, a three quarters of a bottle of Bombay to get to, to get through. Um, yeah, mate, legend, absolute legend. I mean, and I know we talked a lot about his career. You know, we we dabbled into the coaching, we dabbled into the family, but I mean. Any any aspects of his of his story is its own podcast, isn't it? I mean, we were sitting here humming and hiring. What do we get rid of? Uh, you know, and it's just how do you how do you put down like four decades he's been in the game, mate, and dominating as well. So how do you how do you shrink that down? But legend, awesome to get those stories. Very and very, insight. The recall, I know. The recall was outstanding. Yeah, an encyclopedia of knowledge. He he was that through his playing career. He is that now as a coach and. Yeah, to recall some of those things and the stories and being so open about it yeah. too that was just cool to tap into that and and I'm glad we've been able to to help preserve a part of uh his story his 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 history uh here on beyond the dugout
Yeah, and I like that. Uh, a lot of people uh, now saying, how is Mark Sorensen on the Hutt Valley Hall of Fame, a sports hall of fame? So hopefully if we can get that out to the masses next year or this year, I don't know, um, hopefully we can get him in there. <laughs> well, next week we'll obviously uh, will be the – Hutt Valley Sports Awards coming up uh, next uh, Thursday. Uh, man, really looking forward to that because I hear my man's the MC. <laughs> yes, I am, uh, mate. It's a uh, it's a pretty special event. Uh, Sopple's well represented in this as awards as well. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. We've got nominations everywhere. Tane Mumu's up for young sportsman. Um, the one I want to see is uh, Coach of the Year. Yeah, Kitty Shaw versus Craig Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, husband and wife too, by the way. Right? Yeah, we might have to ask. Kitty, if we remember, um, if there's a little bet on in the house, uh, maybe. <laughs> so, you know, but um, yeah, well represented. And the co MC of the night is Hawani Lambert, um, softball New Zealand yeah. board member. So, yeah. um, you know, I know Tony's got a table there. I know you're going to be sitting at the host table as uh, one of my guests uh, with my partner, Melissa. So, you yeah, know, it's going to be special. Yeah, looking forward to that as long as Melissa doesn't drink me under the table. But uh, <laughs> uh, the boys at the Hunt Valley Sports Awards and Ken uh, Laban and the crew there do a do a fantastic job. I'm not going to be like you and sit on the fence uh, with the NBA uh, as far as coach of the year. Yeah. I've had this saying for a long time, there's nothing like a sure thing. So oh, I'm going to yeah. say Kitty Shaw tops Craig Wallace for coach of the year for Hutt Valley Sports Awards this year. Oh, throw that out there. There is uh, four nominations. So I think there's Blair Soap, who's uh, Robbie's yeah, boy. That's right. You know Robbie? Yeah, um, yeah. He's so he's been nominated for baseball and softball. Yep. Uh, Wally's been nominated for baseball and softball. Um, Kitty's been nominated for softball. And then Gary Hollywood has been nominated for hockey. So it's Excellent. a pretty pretty cool, cool class. But hey, I'm just awesome looking down that list and seeing softball, softball, softball. Fantastic. Indeed. So uh, before we get uh, talk about today's uh, guest, mate, I thought we might give a, a shout out around the other softball podcasts. Uh, that run through the week. Uh, I'll leave you to touch on the last one, but uh, just so everyone kind of knows, if you want to tune in for a softball podcast uh, that come up uh, throughout the week, they are spread out nice and easily. The first one, which comes out on about a Sunday or Monday, is uh, Outside the Shoot, so just look them up. They're doing a fantastic job over there in in Canada. And then midweek, around about Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, is the 222s, Dean Holline's crew and uh, McIntosh and the boys. Uh, They're doing a fantastic job over there as well. Um, But then we've got the new boys uh, that come up. They're on about a Thursday uh, night uh, dust-up with Hilly and Lolly. Hilly and Lolly, yeah, they launched earlier this month. Uh, more Canadians talking ball, which is awesome. Uh, the North American uh, scene's really big, eh? And it's awesome to to see that uh, so many podcasts over there uh, are, are speaking, you know. But it's awesome to see that these guys are sharing our content as well, not only that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a softball community, isn't it? I, I tell you what, the dust up, though, with Hilly and Lolly. They're two Canadian uh, top players, right? Um, uh, uh, Lolly, which is uh, Stephen Mullally. Uh, he's now retired from uh, international ball. Um, Jason Hill is, is still playing. Uh, but boy, oh boy, they're, they're interesting to listen to because if you didn't know who they were, you would think they were doing the podcast from Ireland, man. It's this Newfoundland accent yes, they have yes. going on there. It's hilarious. You know, where's the best place to go to get on the booze? An Irish pub. Well, I, I think that's the whole of Newfoundland. <laughs> yeah, well, they'll probably say the same thing about us. 
Maybe I don't know. <laughs> but well, congratulations! Yeah, to welcome them. to the welcome to the podcast game. There is indeed. There is one more that pops up. It's a monthly one. Those all those other ones are weekly, uh, and that is the WBSC have started up uh, their own podcast as well, and that is highlighting the world game, uh, both baseball and softball, predominantly men's baseball, women's softball. Uh, is where they've targeted so far, especially leading into the Olympics. Not far away now, Damien. No, we're getting so close. And um, uh, yeah, awesome to see that the WBSC are uh, sharing more content and, and, and putting out more information as well and, and getting their stories and, and, and the way they're doing it more like a show than than, than how we do and sit down and you know pick, dissect a, a brain of a legend. But um, yeah, awesome to see WBSC um, doing more content like that. I think they're super excited too to get underway. Haven't been able to host an event uh, now for a while, obviously in and around uh, COVID. They've got two events coming up, uh, two baseball qualifiers on the men's side. The women's are all sorted for the Olympics uh, already. There's six teams, USA, Japan, Italy, Australia, Canada, and of course Mexico. Round out the six uh, for for the ladies. Good luck to them. And we're going to bring some Mm. of those guests coming up over the next uh, we while leading into the Olympics, so they'll be exciting for that. We'll be able to talk to Australia, US, and Canada uh, in those weeks leading into it, so that should be really, really good. We'll drop you who those will be later. Um, <laughs> but on the men's side, there are still a couple of spots left. So they've got the American qualifier coming up the end of this month, uh, oh, sorry, in June, and then, uh, then they have a one last chance. That's going to be held in Taiwan, uh, the last qualifier there. So to find the the sixth place uh, for the Tokyo Olympics. Fantastic stuff. It's all exciting. Those five rings. See, I looked it up after last week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I had to. We're speaking to Olympian today. Hey, you're doing this podcast from New Zealand. There's only one ring to rule them all, but (laughs) My precious. (laughs) Oh, buddy. uh, This week, we've got ourselves a uh, wahine tour uh, in softball New Zealand. uh, The... Olympian and Absolutely. the 2021 Hunt Valley Sports Awards Coach of the Year. <laughs> That's my pick anyway. TBC. Kitty Shaw. Kitty Shaw. Yeah, Kitty's great, isn't she? We had to we had to, had to bend that arm of hers to get her on here because she is so humble and she is about the game. She She's done her talking. That's what she said to us. I've done my talking, get someone else. But uh, she's here and, you know, the second generation of three generations that have worn the um, silver ferns. So, hey, mate, uh, the sport is instilled in her and, and I'm looking forward to um, getting the stories. An amazing 23-year career with the uh, Sky Sports White Sox team. She's been to five World Cups, four seniors, one junior. But the big man, man, the Olympics. Can't wait to talk to her about that. Yep. Talk to an Olympian. Talk pretty to, special. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And she's bloody hilarious. She is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's get to it. Kitty Shaw. Let's go. Well, one of the superstars from the Sky Sports uh, White Sox team, it is Kitty Shaw, a 23-year career in and around the White Sox, five world championship, one junior, four senior, and of course the big one, 2000 Olympics, Kitty Shaw in the house, on the couch here at Beyond the Dugout, welcome Kitty. Hey, thanks for having me guys. Kia ora Kitty, thank you for coming around, (laughs) literally 
on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good to have you along, Kitty. You've got a storied history, a long career in the game um, that's going to be interesting to tell over the next wee while uh, to everyone listening into the podcast tonight. Um, but let me start with something uh, first, Kitty. What about softball makes a tick for you? Um, I guess, you know, growing up in a sport, um, fam- through family, um, I think I just love the skills that we have to showcase, you know, the defensive skills, the offensive skills, the mental game, you know, that's all exciting um, as a softballer. Um, and so that sits alongside, obviously, you know, the friendships, the relationships you make um, with with your teammates, with the opposition. So, um, yeah, for me, the, the exciting part is the whole skill side of, of the game of softball and, and obviously, yeah, the relationships and connections you make with people. Well, you're a people's person. Before we go any further, you talked about the origins. Nohir Queer, what's your heritage? Yep, so I'm um, Ngāti Parau on my dad's side. Um, East Coast. Yeah, absolutely. It is my number one place to go in the world. Um, yeah, so Tukumaru Bay, big shout out there. Uh, so my dad's a Milner, um, and so... Yeah, you know, I've got um, uh, an all-black uncle um, and basketball reps, and, yeah, I'm so proud of, of that side. You know, I never got to see them as as often as I um, did with my shore side um, because we all lived down here, um, whereas, obviously, the Milner Fano all live up, still live up on the coast. Eating crayfish. Yeah, they don't venture far out of Gizzy <laughs> in the coast. Yeah. Um, but why wouldn't you? It's paradise. Yeah. Um, and so on my mum's side, it's the shore, Natikahanunu. Um, out of Wairoa. Represent. Wairoa, <laughs> um, I used to wonder why my parents would send me to Wairoa in the school holidays. Um, and um, But, yeah, it was just another way that they, you know, they had good times with their cousins and so it was a way for um, them to make sure we had those connections. And then later on in my life, in my teenage years, I realised actually there's another part to this whānau and it's called Mahia and that's where I pretty much ended up going all the time as well. So, um, yeah, yeah, coasty for sure. Oh, fantastic. Of course, you've got a, a, a famous uh, mother uh, in the softball game here in New Zealand, Naomi Shaw. Having her as a mum growing up, what was she like outside of softball? Yeah, she was a pretty cool mum, a um, very strong woman, um, very dedicated, yeah. um, you know, and to watch, have that role model inside your house, just the training ethic, um, you know, and working full-time and being a mother and a cool mother, um, you know, she's a really, um, you know, I think firm but fair and friendly and made made our childhood re- lots of fun, um, you know, and so, yeah, I guess, you know, as I said, you know, that inspired me in part when I was just a little kid, you know, mum was overseas travelling, um, she'd be sending us postcards from all these exotic places where she was playing and she'd come back with loads of goodies and toys and, you know, would go to primary school looking the trendiest sports kids out because we had the latest gear and I was like, man, I want to do that yeah. stuff, you know, when I um, grow up. So, uh, yeah, you know, you grow into a sport through family um, and you become naturally good at it um, and you still have to work hard but... You know, those for me were my memories of like, yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to do exactly what my mum's doing. So, um, yeah. Hey, um, I forgot. So the Shaw name, and I need to yeah. pay. I always forget to pay homage to my my grandfather, who's yes. a pommy. Um, and so, yeah, my mum, being the strong, determined lady that she is, like, yep, my kids are going to be called Shaws. So uh, Dad had to take a back seat there with the uh, the Milner name. Um, 
But yeah, you know, my grandfather is 94, 95. Um, wow. Yeah, still, you know, s- a, such a cool dude. And to hear him tell of his background and the war and all that, um, I'm like, oh, that's awesome, you know, yeah. Pretty cool. Five years away, telegram <laughs> coming from the Queen. That'll be cool too, eh? Okay. Yeah. Is yep. that a tweet these okay. days or an email? How does that work? I'm sure they still get the, the letter. Uh, I'm yeah. sure of it. Right. Yeah. Tradition, mate. Was yeah. there ever a time, Kitty, where it wasn't softball? Like, could it have been a different sport? Um, I used to dabble in a lot of sports like netball and basketball, and to be honest, um, and I really enjoyed those. No, I don't think there ever was. You know, and as I got older, it's actually, you know, I'm um, – this is my sport because you don't have to run very far. It's like, you know, what is it, 18 metres, so times that by four. It's not very far that you have to run around the bases. Um, um, so the other stuff that I played growing up was just purely for fun um, and, you know, again, just transferable skills. I, I enjoyed that, yeah. So I enjoyed the competitive side of those other sports, but I always knew, like, softball was my thing, so, yeah. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, Kitty, um, before we get on to the rest of the sport here, I understand you had no name for the first six months of your <laughs> life, just called Babe. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't really know that until, obviously, I was old enough to comprehend. So, yeah, mum actually got a, a letter from the birth and death registry saying, you must name your child. You know, yeah. it's been six months now. Um, <laughs> What's the and hurry? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, my name was Babe, and I'm literally called Babe by all my aunties and, you know, all of that. So, um, you, and my cousins now, you know. So, yeah, Babe is the name. Um, and then she just happened to, you know, read Woman's Day, which is my Bible, and opened the page, and Kitty Takanawa was there, and she's like, Kitty. I can't sing like Kitty Takanoa. I can't even sing. I'm a hummer. <laughs> but Kitty, yeah, that's where Kitty came from. What oh, a wow. cool story, yeah. eh? Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Well, we talk about the uh, the Shaw Fano, and uh, obviously you come from a, a Fano softball dynasty where your aunties, yourself, your mum, your cousins have all played together, especially coming up through the, uh, the Saints Club. Yeah. Yeah, so my understanding was, oh, I mean, how they got into it was Grandad um, was a manager of the team. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that, that was their sport um, as they were young children. Um, my auntie Hilda, she was also a New Zealand rep and um, back in the days, days, days. Mm. Um, and then she had a child, so I think she gave it up then. Um, and so, yeah, you know, all my cousins down this side, of, you know, the shore side have, have played, even the boys have played um, T-ball and then continued. And so, yeah, it has really been a family journey in, in terms of that. And, um, you know, I look at some of the photos and we've got one photo, there's like 50 of us all in the Saints uniform <laughs> at the different, and that's cool. Yeah, you know, that is cool. cool. Um, so, yeah. I guess we've got to th- be thankful for our grandfather who um, you know, got got us into this sport. Is uh, Fetu the black sheep walking around in his <laughs> do- Dodgers gear? <laughs> yeah, Fetu is the number one supporter, and yeah. um, you know he is an avid sports fan. Like oh, he yes. would, he would amaze people in the sport that are in the know of their own sport with, oh, yeah. you know, facts and stuff like that, and. Um, yeah, he was more of a racket man, like yeah. skills, badminton, squash, like he could carve up big time. And he was a really good rugby player. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know if I bullied him so much as a, as a young boy, but he's like, I'm not taking that shit. So yeah. I'm just going to be a supporter, I don't know. But he was an exceptionally talented um, uh, sportsman. Um, and, yeah, he just loved to follow softball. Though. He mm. he loved to follow me and mum. And so, yeah, he's... Um, 
yep, the fact that he's playing softball now, you know, in his later years, uh, years is a crack up and uh, you would go along and he comes comes down to our trainings and he's real hard out there. <laughs> he just, just loves the sport but yeah. never actually got into the sport. So, he's yeah. a good, good man, your brother. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He is. Oh, fantastic. Well, I know Fetu's already turned off. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard my name. I'm out. <laughs> Well, Kitty, normally about now is where I'll ask, you know, who was the worst coach you ever had? But you had mum coaching you all through those uh, junior grades and stuff. You know, what was that like? Yeah, um, yeah, I just remember her as being a firm and fair coach. Um, and I guess I was lucky in that, you know, if I wanted to go out and train, my coach was there in the house, so we'd go out the backyard and that type of thing. Um, I think, you know, as all teenagers do, they get to a stage where they start to roll their eyes at their parents. And um, I <laughs> She's know, not listening yeah, anymore. I know I got to that stage and it's like, oh, what does she know? But, yeah, actually, she, she knows. She knows. Um, and so... Yeah, you know, I think I enjoyed when I got some new coach, just different, a different voice and different coaches, but I never, you know, um, always, you know, was so grateful for the upbringing that I had, like having mum there, having mum there. Um, and, you know, in terms of when we were in the New Zealand team together, when she was the coach, you know, I kept my distance. Um, you know, I'm there as a player. She was there as... Um, you know, the coach and, and I, you know, I'd never wanted to be seen as the coach's daughter. Um, I guess, as I said, the only time I went up to was when I needed money to go shopping. <laughs> so that <laughs> was a, bon mate. That was a bonus having <laughs> mum yeah. on tour. Hard yeah. out, hard <laughs> out. Um, as you came up through the grades, though, at Saints and then obviously playing representatively um, for Hutt Valley, you guys won just a bunch of things. Who was that group of athletes coming through in the same age group. Yeah, there were a lot of, um, you know, we had a lot of good role models and, and later, you know, uh, who are a little bit older, Kylie Stevens is one that comes to mind um, and that was slightly older than us. But I think the core group of girls that I can remember, and there were, apologies if I forget, was Savannah Aranga, Miliupu um, and Cindy Portai. Oh, that's like um, royalty right there. Yeah. yeah, man, it was so much fun. Like just, we just loved playing you know and obviously when you're good um you know come that confidence comes with that and yeah. and you could like you know like you just everybody had each other's back and and it was fun on and off the diamond um and you know that's something i think i'm i'm not seeing so much in the girls game at the minute like there seems so much pressure on these young girls and and i try and say look if you're talking smack to each other, if you're laughing, if you're smiling, that's going to take those nerves away and that's actually going to, you know, build that, um, those relationships so where you just go out and enjoy it and, you know, and back your abilities. And I think with those core group of girls, you know, like I said, when you were good, we knew that if one wasn't going to come up with a hit or make a play, the other one had our back and, and yeah, just a lot of fun times. You talk about having fun and, uh, and we see that a big part of uh, – your coaching uh, technique today, but back going back to the playing days, who was the the most funnest teammate you got to play with? Yeah, I was going to, um, you know, Miliupa is someone who always <laughs> just <laughs> made you laugh, like just with either, 
you know, apologies, Millie, with the dumb stuff she said. <laughs> or actually, she was a real prankster. And like you've asked me, oh, what things? I was like, all I can remember is just laughing lots um, with Millie um, and think, like, here is this phenomenal um, ball player. And without a doubt, she is one, she is the best outfielder we have had uh, in New Zealand. Um, and yet she was just always cracking jokes, you know, and, and doing dumb things that made you laugh. Um, and so, yeah, uh, I'm not a really good storyteller, so I couldn't tell you, I couldn't even tell you one thing because it's been a while. Um, but, yeah, she is one, that type of character you'd absolutely want in your team because you just laughed and made it relaxed and, and fun. Yeah. The Hutt Valley uh, Softball Association, uh, um, top provincial team, NFC, it's called these days, won so many titles. Mm. Green to gold is the, uh, is the slogan. Yeah. Why? How? Uh, I guess, again, it just continues, like, if you have a core group of girls or players, you know, others that come into that fold, they pick up on that, you know, and, you know, TA is, is another example that if you have, you've got that confidence in each other, like, and those that come into that fold, you know, they, they prop them up and they instill that confidence, and I think that's the same with... Um, you know, the Hutt Valley at the time when we were successful, it was just fun to play and we knew we could play. Um, and so it was fun to play well and it was fun to win um, and it was fun to play um, with each other, you know. Um, so, yeah, good times. Nothing but good times. And and I bet you there's going to be Auckland players and Canterbury players. Well, hold it, hold it, we won. <laughs> um, and I was saying that provincially there were, yeah, there were times where provinces went through, you know, three, four years of success, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you know, I can only say it, it obviously was the same thing, you know. But, yeah, even when we, you know, even when we weren't successful or we didn't win a title, we still had fun doing it. So, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Um, playing at the elite level, though, uh, as an athlete, what's the keys to success? Just hard work. You know, we we sit in this little island uh kind of in the boondocks of international women's softball. I, was, I talk about the women's game. You know, we lack resources. We lack a quality of, you know, no disrespect to all our budding players, um, a standard of play and just hard work, um, you know, has to be a starter, you know. And um, I think with the more girls we have going over college and playing, you know, a better standard of ball, is going to help grow our game. Um, you know, in the meantime, those that are still, you know, onshore in New Zealand, um, you know, that's going to take a massive mindset, so to speak, to stay in the game and to do the work here um, and, you know, to make our game better. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a long haul. It's, you know, I think it hasn't changed for us really. Um, you know, in terms of our youth program, I just kind of want to try and expose our girls to the American softball because that's the you know that is the top international standard right there. And if we can expose more girls to that um, that type of softball, then they have a really idea of where they need to be to be competitive on the international stage. It's exciting, you know, if these girls get that opportunity to see that then they can come back and say, well, actually, I thought I was the bee's knees, but actually, I've got a lot of work to do, yeah, you know, yeah, um, collectively as well, yeah. not just individually, collectively. So, yeah, that's the challenge, um, but there are opportunities out there for our female players. So, um, 
you know, hopefully, you know, my incentive was to travel and to go shopping in terms of, <laughs> you know, wanting to go, um, <laughs> to go oh, and experience culture. Oh, yeah, and play softball, absolutely. <laughs> um, but if those incentives are there, then, you know, girls will understand you've got to work hard. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. We took a bit of opportunity uh, and um, an excitement. You debuted for the White Sox at a very young age, 16 years of age, back in 89. We won't let everyone add up those <laughs> dates, but, uh, um, but you did. 16, getting a call-up. How did that come about? Yeah, that was, uh, I guess, just, uh, you know, playing, being in good Hub Alley teams. You know, the young, uh, one of the young players, Miliupu, was... Um, you know, the other one, young one that got called into that squad. And so, um, yeah, that was a bit of a surprise, I think. Um, and we came into camp and from that we were playing Aussie and from that they were going to pick a team to go to the next World Series um, in, in Illinois. And I, and I didn't make the team and I was absolutely gutted. And the main reason why was that I knew that I hadn't given it my best shot. Like right. I, here I, I was 16 and alongside me were a lot of my mother's teammates who I knew as – Friends, really, you know, because being that annoying kid on the sideline, you know, you meet all these people. And so, yeah, I was kind of like, actually, you're here for a reason, um, and it is because you've been selected. I never saw it like that. I was like, what am I doing here? You know, there's mum's mates, da-da-da-da-da. And then, um, so, yeah, I got some chances and, and took it, but, I, yeah, I didn't make the team, and I was absolutely gutted, and I, and I know that I never gave it my all, and I think – had I given it my all and I didn't make the team, I wouldn't have, have been as disappointed. Um, so for me, that was a major uh, lesson right there. And, you know, Millie ended up being the youngest, I think, woman. She went on, yep. 15, went on to that World Series, and I think, awesome. You know, that was her style. Like, nothing kind of phased her in her jokingly style, and she, you know, she she went through, and, and yeah, she, you know, I have high Mad respect for um, Alyssa Upu as um, you know, as a softball player she was. So, yeah, for me, a real good learning lesson. Yeah, you talk about mums, mates, and just for the listeners that are listening, in, we're talking about Naomi Shaw here. Naomi Shaw was a member of the uh, 1982 gold medal world championship and the only one that New Zealand has won in the female program. And and of course, in and around her were some amazing. Players uh, in the game, you know, talk about Gina Weber mm-hmm. and, and uh, Nadi uh, Clark, Leonard Clark, yeah, Leonard. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at the time, and she was the captain when you when you made your debut, right? Yeah, yeah, and um, you know that was another like, wow, my mum is the captain of a world champion team, like that is pretty cool. Mm. Um, and so to see them come off the plane and mum coming out of the plane with this massive trophy, a World Cup trophy, I was just like, you know, oh, I'm just like puff in my chest because I was like yeah that's my mom um and then you talk about Nats I don't actually think Nats was in the 82 um team right. um but she yeah she was the captain of the the first uh, woman's um team I went on tour with um to China and a really good captain like just really approachable made it relaxing for a young kid um so I think I was 17 or 18 at that time yeah um and you know she is still very passionate nuds i know about softball i think she's on the auckland softball board isn't she the boss or something like that um yeah so you know i knew them as good people as mum's mates and and they continued to be you know a really good mentors and in terms of young players coming through as you were saying that following year in uh, 1990 
you go on tour to Japan, uh, sorry, to China, uh, that night he's the, the captain for. What was that like to go overseas for New Zealand? Yeah, oh, it's amazing. Like, and, it's and my, a place like China. Yeah, you know, and like I said, travel was my mo- one of my motivations. So to go to China, I was like, oh, wicked. And, you know, I was still at school. Um, I think it was my second to last year at school. And here I am going on a tour and I just thought, wow. You know, and got to play um, – got to go and see the Great Wall of China and like all these amazing like places that China has to offer you know and we played in the tournament I think we we played quite well and I wasn't really known as a um, as a hitter then I was more you know my defensive skills was kind of what got me in there um, but I remember coming up against the Americans and they threw Laurie Harrigan who's a lefty um, throws hard actually all the American pitches threw hard and mm. um and actually we had Sheila Cornell on first base and she actually played here in the hut like um, yeah, a few years before. So we knew her. It was really nice to catch up with her. And I said I was saying to Damien, she used to play for Totra Park and I was 13 when she first came over. And here's this Amazonic woman like with a bat that looked like a twig in her hands. And <laughs> I'm 13 and I'm at second base, but I think I stood next to the right field because you were so freaking scary. Um, but anyway, yeah, and I got a hit off Laurie. I was the first one to get a hit. I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, like the whole touring uh to different countries and experience different cultures uh, has been a massive, uh, you know, a pleasure. You know, those are the rewards that um, you can get if you want to work hard. Yeah. Well, you got to go to four World Championships, uh, two in Canada, one in Japan and one in Venezuela. Mm, mm. Dude, how was Venezuela? Yeah, it was cool, eh? It was uh, real cool. We got, um, what do you call uh, guard. We yeah. had these motorcycle guards, following bus, everything. Um, we heard it was quite volatile. It was uh, when Chavez, Chavez, yeah, Chavez, Chavez, yeah. yeah. Um, but they really, in like in terms of like uh, the Venezuelan team were like rock stars over there, and they had this big rap concert for their opening ceremony, and um, uh, you know, and we got we had to be escorted everywhere with um, guards, and they become really good friends yeah. with us, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know, one time we're like, "Holy shit!" One of our guards had like clipped the bus and has come like sprawling on his <laughs> motorcycle and picks himself up. And we get to the training ground; he's got blood all over his arm. We're all like, "Oh!" And he's just like, you know, wiping it up. It's like, "Holy shit!" They were cool guys. Um, but yeah, we heard like I think it was. I don't know whether it was before or after that, the baseball women's cut was there and someone got shot. So this is this is kind of the stuff. Don't you know. hit a double against <laughs> Venezuela in Venezuela. You know, we got escorted everywhere. Even if we were right next to the motel and there was markets, just we could not we weren't allowed to leave at all. Um, so yeah, and an add-on to that was that me and a couple of good friends in the team, we ended up um, going on to Peru. Um, and doing the Machu Picchu trip. Oh, wicked. How yeah. was that? It was amazing. I'm, you know, I'm not spiritual or religious, but when yeah. you sit up there at five o'clock and watch the sun come over the, you know, Inca Trail after tramping for three, four days, you're like, I'm spiritual now. It's, it's oh. yeah, you know, and I always say to my kids, you know, I'd never do it again unless the kids wanted to go yeah. and do it, and I absolutely would recommend it. It takes three or four days to hike yeah. to the top? Yeah, three or four days. Damn. Yeah. Um, Is there a and. <laughs> well, they said you got to be a, have a level of fitness, and we were all right. But there were there were elderly people just 
plodding along, yep. you know, because we only take the pack. It's the porters that carry the tents and the freaking oh. kitchen sink, and they go running up, you know, like like hundred k's on their back or whatever, and we're like ch- charging up, <laughs> and then they'd race ahead to put up the tents and and get your lunch and food and all wow. that cooked and. Yeah, you know, like I keep going back to, like, these are the rewards you can get, you know, to play for New Zealand um, outside of the softball side of things. Mm. Oh, that's Do cool. the mahi. <laughs> yeah. Get the treats. That's the one. Oh, that's, uh, that's fantastic. Um, we talk about those uh, four um, Senior World Cups and the one junior. What's a highlight that stands out for you in competing at that level? Um, I always th- felt our teams underachieved. I think we had the athletes. Um, we just, I guess, you know, coming out of the winter, for most of those World Cups are in J- July, which is our winter, um, and I always f- thought we were more competitive towards the end of the tour because yeah. we'd had two, three weeks prior to the lead-up. You know, before that, we're in the winter season. Um, we're facing maybe, uh, you know, hitting machines or pitching machines yeah. and stuff like that. Yep. Um, and so, you know, like, yeah, I felt we had athletes. We could just still always have done more in terms of our being stronger, stronger and fitter and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, you know, it just uh, we just needed more time uh, overseas to acclimatise to playing at a high level. Um, and who knows, but then with that more time, is more money <laughs> uh, that the players have to pay. So, um, yeah, it'd be, you know, who knows, you know, resourcing, who knows what a program could do. And another example is actually, oh, I know we're going to move on to the Olympics, you know, we had two qualifiers, mm. both in Chinese Taipei. Yeah. Um, our first qualifier where we actually ended up going to the Olympics, where we made it, we beat Taipei. You know, we were on a... Yes. <laughs> yeah. We were on a derelict um, ground, you know, no spectators, no nothing. We ended up beating them. Um, and then come the next qualifier, and I'm not sure what Olympics was that for, we knew that the government had put, like, this team together for three months, paid them, trained them for three months, you know, and we'd literally hop on a plane, meet up with, so we had girls coming from different countries and we were going to play this team in like two days, three yeah. days. And it's like, you know, we talk about resourcing. Uh, yeah, well, they clicked on, obviously, the, the um, you know, what it means to invest in a team to go to the Olympics. So, um, yeah, just, you know, a two comparisons of when you have funding and when you don't have funding. So, yeah. Oh, it's no mistake. When you see a government get behind a sport, mm. the sport does well, doesn't it? Mm. And, and I mean, just recently we've seen that with Australia. Um, if you go back uh, three or four years ago uh, when they were playing China and Chinese Taipei, I think they got their butts kicked. Yeah. And then in the qualifier a couple of years ago now because of COVID, but, uh, you know, they went through undefeated in there and they will now be – the Olympics in about, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, about 80 days' time. It's yeah, uh, and I think they based, you know, they, their team again stayed together mm. for three months or so, yeah. you know, and played in that pro league over in the States yeah. and uh, gear funded and, um, you know, they, you know, they, you could, you would say they easily um, won that qualifier, you know, and, and again, <laughs> government funding um, and, you know, it's a little bit annoying. I mean, as a minor sport, you know, how do you, how do we expect to grow if we don't get that funding? You yeah. know, uh, 
So I see there's some initiative coming out, uh, you know, lately where they are going to fund yep. uh, other sports, which yep. um, yeah, I'd be really interested to see, you know, how that how are we going to take advantage of that softball? You know, nice. looking forward to that. Mm. Well, let's jump to the Olympics now. At the age of 26 to 27, there. Um, you make the team for the uh, 2000 Sydney Olympics. What did that? How were you feeling leading into that period of your life? Yeah, well, I just had um, Denver, my oldest daughter. Shout out, there you go, Denver. Um, <laughs> uh, so you would have had to keep fit. <laughs> yeah, and I did. I knew, yeah, I knew. No wonder Denver's so fit. Oh, whatever. <laughs> She's like, don't call me a donkey. So I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Um, you but, just said it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I knew, okay, this has happened. Yeah. I want to go to the Olympics. I yeah. know it's on the, you know, I know it's on the table. Um, and so, yeah, I kept really, f- you know, I trained throughout my pregnancy. Um, and because I knew that as soon as I had Denver, that uh, I needed to get straight into it. Um, and yeah, so I did the job, performed at um, the tournaments that I needed to and got selected. So, yeah, I was super stoked, um, you know, just. Yeah, to make it after just having had a baby. Um, yeah, so I gave myself a pat on the back. It did, it worked. The plan worked. So, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, before we get on to the sopple side of the Olympics there in Sydney, um, took me through walking into that opening ceremony with the rest of the New Zealand athletes. Yeah, and you talk about, um, did you get videos? Did you get uh, cameras? And I, like I said, I'm not a good storyteller, but I'm sure I did. But I, you know... Maybe you saw my reaction. It's just like wow, you know your mm. your mouth is gaping. Um, you know, before we entered the main stadium, we were actually all housed in a in a stadium, and everyone was singing. Um, oh, and man. yeah, entering, you know, the stadium. You see everybody decked out in their number ones, and the European men men were just hot, like <laughs> hey, hey, hot hey, 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 in their tailored <laughs> European gear. Didn't matter what color, because there were so many colors. That I was just like, wow. Um, so yeah, I had to mention that. Um, and then yeah, you just go and get housed in a stadium, and everyone's singing and having a real, just like wow. And that was not even in the main, um, you know, the main stadium. And then obviously, as we're getting ushered out, and you're walking down the, you know, the tunnel, and just like, holy shit, this is happening. You know, this is really happening. You walk out onto the track. It's like ah. Just like, does that even tell you like what it was like? Um, yeah, it was just amazing. Um, and then just to have that ceremony and watch and you just constantly turning and just seeing the sights and the noises and um, yeah, yeah, something I'll never forget, obviously. That and the cer- closing ceremony. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, just one more question before we get on to the softball Olympics. Always interested to find out what it's like to be there, you know, in the village and stuff. You know, Barbara Kenwell, Mark Todd, pick a bronze medal. Rob Woodzell with the gold. You know, what was it like rubbing shoulders with them and the New Zealand team when they've been so successful as well? Yeah, I mean, they were obviously superstars at that time. Um, and, you know, in the athletes' village, you're all centred around your your lounge, yep. your team lounge. Um, and so when those guys – so they stayed – they stayed out where their events were, which yep. wasn't close to the stadium, so right. it was easier. But once they, you know, their events had um, finished, they came into the athletes' village, and I, 
would have stayed in um, the accommodation. And so obviously to see these gold medalists like right next door and having a kōrero and just and having a beer and stuff is like, oh my God, superstars, superstars, you know. And and they were awesome and they were down-to-earth people and um, just, you know, they, they knew team, you know, and they were totally there for the team from then on to support whatever other athletes they could. Nice. And, uh, yeah, it was real cool. Um, and, you know, it was quite different seeing the different styles. As I mentioned, you know, the athletes, the, the individual athletes were quite aloof, but I can only put that down to them being used to training on their own and yeah. being very self-centred and, this, you know, this is me, whereas we're all a team, you know, yeah. and uh, – jovial and fun and, and that's kind of what you would see from the basketballers and the hockey girls and, and stuff like that. Yeah, basketball, there was uh, like Peter Pokai and yeah. Peter Cameron in those days too. Yeah, right? and Peter Pokai is a local as well from Taira. Sure yeah, Represent. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I say Taira and, and as I mentioned, you know, to go through that um, Olympic Stadium with Millie Upu and Cindy Portai and myself who were all brought up in Taira is like another wow moment. <laughs> yeah, another Pinch wow yourself. moment. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they already have, um, you know, good friendships with Peter. And there was Moira Senior, who was also in the um, uh, the women's hockey team, who used to dabble in softball. Actually, she went to juniors, and I believe she went to women's worlds as well. And then she um, turned to the dark side and went to hockey. She obviously liked to run a lot. <laughs> and she, I remember she was a speedster, so you have to be that as well. Yeah, so it made it easy, really, you know, a lot quicker for the teams to come together and just, you know, um, hang out together and support and go and support all the other athletes and that. So good time. Not a lot of people know this, uh, but your mum is obviously famous for winning that uh, gold medal in uh, 82 World Championship, but she was also commentating at those Olympics. Yeah, she was commentating, which was um, a bonus, you know, for her to be able to go, oh, yeah, I want to go to the Olympics. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Do you want to come and comment? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so she got the VIP card, you nice. know, um, uh, to do that. Um, and as I told you, you know, my brother being an avid sports fan was um, – you know, I wanted to have my daughter over there, Denver, um, and so this uncle who's only ever used to hanging with kids for a couple of hours and being the favourite uncle and cuddles and stuff, <laughs> then hops on a plane with Denver over to Aussie and cuts her around on the trains and, and stuff like that, and because you know, sport was his thing, the Olympics. And so for him to be able to come on to Athletes Village, which nice. Fano, yeah, Fano were allowed, and him just like mouth wide yeah, open, like, <laughs> um, was for me, like, I just was so stoked for him to have that experience, you know. Um, and, yeah, you know, for me it was a real big thank you for bringing Denver and, and all his support throughout yep. the years. So, yep. yeah, that was nice. If we go to the matches now, you had a couple of big wins uh, coming through round robin. Play the nothing bigger than the three-two victory over Canada. That must have been good. Yeah, it was good. I was, I was saying, you know, we'd had a couple of tours to that prior to the Olympics as our build-up, uh, Canada and Japan, and we hadn't played that well to be honest. And it was like, oh, it was yeah, it was horrible. We hadn't played well at all. Um, and so, you know, going into the Olympics, it's like, shit, how's this going to go? And I don't know what it was, whether it was just the whole occasion, we stepped it up, you know, and our first Save game... Save it for the show. Yeah, our first game was against Aussie, um, and they beat us in the seventh innings, you know, yeah. their last at-bat, and it was gut-wrenching. Um, and, you know, had, you know, 
had we taken that one, I think it kind of would have just left us, you know, continue to, you know, say, actually, regardless of what's happened, we're here to play, yeah. you know. Um, and those other scores, you know, competitive scores again. So it was kind of like bittersweet to know um, that we'd been so close to making the top four. And my understanding was that we were on similar points, uh, wins and losses, yeah. but it came down to points and for and against yes. something like that, that, where we didn't go into the top four. Yeah. So yeah, I think we had to be, I guess, pleased in a way because we hadn't had great pre, you know, um, pre tours, um, tournaments and stuff like that, and, and then I guess leave the Olympics at least being competitive. You listen to these results, Damien. Like as I said earlier, they pick up the win over Canada three two, a win over Cuba six two. That's uh, pretty sound. Um, now, the defeats that you had, if you take away China's result, all of them were just by the one run. You just mentioned Australia in the last innings. Italy 1-0 and Japan 2-1. Mm. Every game was only a one-run loss. You guys were the real deal. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were, you know, and I guess, you know, and I guess to know that we, we could be that competitive against what you would say, you know, more – perceived to be stronger play nations was um you know as as again it's just like well we have the athletes you know we had the athletes it's just that you know that that, that final I guess that just continuing to the end so to speak so yeah if only you know if only it had, had gone one way if only if only this so yeah I saw lots of video and photos of your team in, in 2000 there you girls were athletes man finely tuned ready for that when you guys must have really put some hard work into it yeah i guess um yeah what are you saying about it no <laughs> <laughs> you know like uh we used, still to, an athlete. <laughs> we used to rock up to international tournaments and world you know world cups and you know for me uh, the first time you know, like we i used to watch the aussies you know and i'm friends with the, the some of the aussie girls that came through the same age level and I least used to look at them and I was like fuck they're arrogant they're so arrogant but when I looked at it you know what it was it was just confidence they were built like Amazon women like they had bulging biceps and and stuff like that and it's like you know there's another message there you like you work hard yeah yep. this is uh, even the image itself goes whoa you know they're ballers yep. you know that type of thing and I think that was a message for us as well and you're like it's hard to you know to be to understand the international level when we're here in New Zealand and yeah because it is what it is um so to get over there and play those international tournaments and see these women that were you know physically um you know athletes that was our kick up the bum I, th I think you know to say actually we want to be competitive. We want to compete. That's the work we have to do to get to physically, you know, get that strong and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'd like to think, you know, going into that Olympics, we all were doing the work that we had to do. Well, with softball, just on that, the Olympics, while we're on the topic, softball, uh, obviously Beijing 2008 was the last one. Now coming back this year in Tokyo, how important is that? Yeah, it's... um. Oh, it's going to be awesome to watch. Like to see women's softball back in the Olympic program is is um, you know it's a long time coming. I know that uh, 
you know, women's softballers around the world have been fighting to get it back in. So, you know, kudos to those that are in that um, in that decision making level at that decision making level to finally get see it back into the Olympic programs. You know, I don't understand why it was taken out, although I had heard that it kind of, because there was men's baseball and at the time there was a lot of um, steroid abuse happening, you know, and well, Olympics is perceived to be clean and, and cheat-free and, and stuff like that. You know, that's what led to me thinking is, is this is why they've got rid of baseball so they're going to get rid of the mm. women's softball? Um, you know, who knows? But... Um, yeah, this is going to be massive for women's softball, and I know that it's not um, going to be in the next Olympics. Um, for some reason, they see a need to see what is it break dancing, break dancing, yeah, break dancing, <sighs> and yeah, other stuff. Yeah, there's a couple uh, others that are <laughs> head scratches. That's like, for sure. yeah. Uh, I guess you know. I guess that's. Uh, if that's what the host nation want, that's what they get. Um, but it'll be back in the in the next Olympics after that. Sorry, I'm not sure what year that is. 2020? 26, 26, I think, yeah. 28. Um, so, you know, there's a long time downtime in mm. between events. Mm. But, you know, with Roman, Roman and Millie taking on the, over the reins of the women's program, I know they've got a program, you know, they've got a plan in place to be ready, um, you know, to have the athletes in place for the for those qualifying rounds. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. That was their number one goal f- going into the job, wasn't it? To mm. look eight years or six, mm. six to eight years in front, not just the now. Yeah, and um, you know that's exciting thing for me, being the uh, the junior White Sox national coach is like the incentive to for these young girls to actually push the belief in them to say, you guys are going to be at that age where you are going to be ready. It's not about, oh, we've got these senior players, you are good enough to be. If you mm. want it, then you absolutely, if you've made it this far, you've got talent, you've got the potential at the end of the day will come up to that individual responsibility to say, how bad do I want it? Um, and I think there's a lot of talent at this level. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm picking... You know, I'm picking the number of these younger players around the country to be in the running for the, you know, for the qualifying team, you know. And if that gives the kick up the bum for the senior players that are still around, that's awesome. You know, competition within within the players, regardless of age, can only make our sport better. So, um, yeah, I say go the young ones. <laughs> <laughs> go the young ones indeed. Well, can you come to a good point? You're talking about coaching. You're now, as you mentioned, the uh, head coach for the uh, Junior White Sox. You know, how did coaching come about to you? Was it a natural progression? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I think, yeah, it, it started with, uh, obviously, Dema uh, coming through. And I remember watching the first rep team she made um, uh, for Hart Valley, and I think it was under nines or under 11s or something. And I had to hide behind my hand <laughs> because I was like, oh, my God, what's happening here? Um, yeah, yeah, sorry if that coach has heard this, but uh, I was like, nah, nah, I, I know I have something to offer here and I just want to teach kids good skills and good basic fundamentals to be able to make plays and, and, and stuff like that. And actually show, the, show them the fun things, you know, the things that I, like, I love about softball, the skill side of things. And so, yeah, with Denver coming through and, and you know, obviously mum coached me, I guess same thing. It was just a natural thing that I was going to start um, coaching my kids, yeah. 
Oh, fantastic. Mm. The, the, the step, though, to go from a very successful um, provincial uh, coaching career as well because, gee, at one stage, was it me or was it you, Damien? Like every time you told me you went to, it was either you coaching the team or Wally coaching the team <laughs> or Naomi coaching the team. That was just last summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it almost seemed like that. Yeah. But, but and say that when did, um, when did the decision pop in your head to think a little higher and, and coach on the New Zealand sides? Uh, to be honest, I guess just as I continued to coach Denver through the age groups and enjoyed it, really enjoyed it. That was my, I think that was the thing I really enjoyed about softball is seeing girls grow yeah. in terms of their skill development or their confidence. You know, it's it's kind of similar to my own playing career it's just to, to know that you might have had some influence in that like that's exciting um and so yeah I guess and then when we started become quite successful because again you know you talk about core group of girls you know at that stage we had um Denver, Palipora, Michaela Lewin, Otila, Tavita like those were core girls and yeah. Um, you know, and, and those girls lifted the younger ones that were coming through. So, you know, there's a pattern here. Um, you know, I just enjoyed seeing girls play awesome and, and having success and, and the friendships that were taking place on the, um, on the diamond. So, um, yeah, I guess, you know, we got to a 19 stage or 17 or 19 stage. Um, and at the time, uh, Vanita Hawkeye was the junior White Sox coach, um, and she asked, uh, you know, if I would be interested in um, being her assistant. And, um, you know, at that time, Vanita had had some quite successful campaigns as uh, yeah. a junior White Sox coach, mm -hmm. and I thought, this is awesome. This is an awesome opportunity to learn, um, you know, to help my, my game grow. Um, in terms of a coach. So, yeah, I jumped on board, absolutely. And guess what? You get to go overseas again <laughs> and, and experience it, cultures or shopping. So, yeah. <laughs> shopping. Mum's still helping you out? Yeah, she does. <laughs> she does. And I think I'm rolling my eyes more now because <laughs> uh, she's old school and I'm trying to, yeah. But, uh, you know, she's still got a lot of value and yeah. – um, and yeah, so I think it's just for me now. It's kind of Wayne, what I what I already know, and Wayne, you know, is this valuable for for the young youth group that we're we're coaching? So yeah, and really enjoying it. Awesome. I've had a bit of time recently to spend some time with you, or should I say, observing you coaching the Junior White Sox. My daughter was in uh, in your squad there for for a while. One thing that really stuck out to me was how you would give athletes opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think about sometimes environments or teams where I haven't enjoyed and, you know, it's it's been around the relationship between a coach and, and um, player and, you know, so I, I've always kind of gone on with that ma uh, mindset that everyone has a place in a team and everyone has as much value as the, their teammate next yep. door to them and the whole team. Um, and so I don't ever want to create an environment where, you know, players are afraid to take risks because they're going to get, ah, you know, yelled at. And, you know, I think if you create an environment where players are relaxed, they feel valued, they feel like they can talk up and offer an opinion um, and you make it fun, 
um, then I'm going to get the best out of players. And, you know, the, um, the girls I had for the 2020 Junior White Sox, they were a cool group of girls. <laughs> Even though we didn't get to play much um, softball, um, but, you know, I really, you know, I feel, I f- so feel for those girls um, uh, to not have, you know, to be selected to go to World Cup and then you aren't going and then you are going and you're not going again, you are going. You know, I, mm, I take my hat off to those girls to, like, hang in there um, until, obviously, you know, the decision got made over a month ago that definitely we're not going. And, um, you know, those there's some talented girls there. Um, you know, and those are you know some of the girls that I think are going to go on in um, in that white suit, white socks program, mm. and um, you know be there in that qualifying tournament. Um, and you know, I can only I can only what do I say? Wonder how well we did. You know, uh, we you know for us again with lack of funding, I I can see the the way we're going to make our young girls better. Um, and not be afraid when they come up against stronger athletes in New Zealand is to put them in those strong women's tournaments and and play against the the senior players and the American players so that they get an idea of actually you know when uh, Gretchen throws that's what you could expect and even better at yep. an international level so the more we can expose them to playing at a higher level of play the less daunting it becomes for them and you know, I think as a coaching staff with Brie Gibson and Dave Elder and, and you know, Andy Wilkinson now, and we work, we have a lot of fun. You know, it makes yeah. life as easy in that um, coaching staff. And, you know, we, you know, I think strategically we work well and we're looking at, you know, players' strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, I'm pretty stoked with what we've achieved in terms of putting competitive teams out against these, these uh, senior players. And I think... This is awesome. You know, we don't have the funding. We can't expect our players to go overseas all, all the time, all the time. So if this is the way that we can prepare them as part of their development by playing um, in these tournaments, then this is the way we have to go. Um, and so, yeah, I'm hoping, you know, more opportunities are going to come. I'm going to still push for NFC, Tony Giles, just saying. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, we want to, yeah, but it's, it's the way that we're going to get better for our youth program. Kelly, I remember talking to you when you pretty much just got the job, uh, had you on my radio show last year, but that was such a weird time. So I need to ask, um, you know, that was when you were f- kind of p- preparing and everything, uh, and then the world shed itself. Mm. So so how do you how do you look after a, an elite team of young, young women when you can't get together just as easy as, you know, everything changed. So yeah. how was that time uh, coaching yeah. during all that? You know, like during that particular year, we had a the qualifier that mm. was cancelled. So we'd planned for that, you know, cancelled because of the measles epidemic in Samoa. True. Uh, and then, you know, obviously with COVID. So I was, you know, I say shit, we're awesome at planning. Now, <laughs> can we do more, play more softball than plan? Um, you what know? page in the coaching manual was <laughs> yeah. pandemic? I know. I know. It's like, <laughs> give us a gold medal because I don't know if there's been many too, uh, yeah. coaching staff that have been through a p- pandemic. Who yeah. would have known? Um, it was really about 
pacing that program and keeping in touch with the girls, you know, and because no one knew what was going to happen, so we couldn't fire out all these comms and saying blah 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 blah, because we don't know what's going to happen next month. And so for us, it was really just staying in tune with the girls and and looking after their well being really and and staying positive about it's going to happen. You know, Mm. we just have to bide our time. Um, you know, and then there was a time where, you know, the Wellington and Hutt Valley girls were able to train and the Canterbury girls were able to train, but, you know, the Auckland girls were still in isolation, you know, and it was like, Jesus Christ. Plus um, Aucklanders are so naughty. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a, obviously a really unique uh, period of time. Um, and, you know what, yeah, I'm, I'm really gutted that, we didn't get to go away because the girls were awesome, you know, just their personalities and, um, you know, to see them on the diamond now and, you know, well, I'm going down in Christchurch uh, next week, I think, to um, to a southern training camp and, and we're going to, you know, me and Dave are going down, so we're going to catch up with Alyssa Laurie and Cherie Inwood because we want to catch up because yep. like, hey, let's catch up, let's go out for dinner, you know, and I've got um, Michaela Cross coming up to Auckland, you know, I, it's really important you know that our these young girls at these training camps or days that we're having, they they know who these junior White Sox girls are, and they you, we I use them as role models as well as our White Sox. So, yeah, um, yeah, you know, big things happening next year. Hopefully for our our um, under eighteen junior White Sox program, um, I'm excited about it. What so, is coming up, Kitty? Well, we've got the. Quad series, yep. um, so it's changed to you know last year um, sponsored by Sky Sport was which was an awesome initiative. Got um, two White Sox women's A and a B, um, the junior White Sox, and I believe a uh, um, a import team. Um, yeah, I believe. Um, and so for us, you know, that's the start of our uh, our playing season. Um, once, so, you know, as a result of the Easter Classic that happened, which was a phenomenal tournament, yeah. I just loved the vibe and, you know, kudos to Auckland Softball Association, like, that's the first time I've been to it, I just loved it. It reminded me of tournaments over in the States where it's just buzzing. Um, and that's exactly what I saw there. And, you know, I was going to watch Star, my son, playing in one of the D-Sox teams, and, and there happened to be three D-Sox um, girls teams, and... For me, it was a great opportunity to see these girls, and so I pretty much had a twenty twenty one junior white Sox squad. Yep, got for yeah, I've got names here, and I was like, hold it, hold it, I'm gonna see more of that player, and I want to yeah. see more of that player. Yeah. And so, yeah, I came away from that. I was like, hold it, put a delay on that naming. <laughs> and so, yeah, over the last month, I've had identified just um, yeah selection of twenty twenty two athletes in each of the regions. Um, and like I said, I've got the Auckland one coming up this Sunday and I had the Central one two weeks ago. Um, and it was real cool to just see a smaller group of girls and showcase their skills and abilities, whether it's just, so I had Craig there helping hit out balls, you know, see how they move. Sure, Wally. <laughs> and, um, and then play gameplay, scrimmage. Um, and, you know, first game we would call the shots, would coach them you know signals and then the second game you know I left it up to them to say you play it how you want to play it and put in fast pitch rules and one one count so just to see how they cope and yeah really left the central day that day on Sunday really excited Um, and so yeah I'm really super excited to see what's up this Sunday in the northern 
uh, regional training day and then, like I said, in Christchurch uh, the following day, uh, following weekend and see what the um, Southern girls have to offer. And, you know, like I've got four Southland girls, you know, to me this is massively important to, um, you know, to know that they've, you know, give them that incentive or that carrot to say you've been identified you know so regardless of what happens there when we name our 2021 junior white Sox squad that the fact their name that has come to our attention it still means that you know they're there they're in the frame and just like some girls that you know didn't get selected you know for us it's I'm interested to see how they respond you know are they motivated well actually you missed me and I'm going to show you what I can do yeah you know so yeah you know Part of that stuff you're talking about there is what I really like about. And I said about you giving them opportunities. I saw that when my daughter was in your in your gratis squad there. You'd select a team for each uh, adult women's tournament you'd take them to, mm. uh, and that team would change and new roster of players would come in. And even this, what you're just telling us now in this northern, central, southern uh, pool of players, you've opened up to a greater number of players. So you're creating this massive pool of talent or giving them the opportunity to have the carrot in front of them to represent our country. Yeah, and, um, you know, I hope, yeah, like I said, you know, if it excites a girl to say, oh, I've been identified, well, I've been invited to this, you know, we, we've got a couple of 12 and 13-year-olds, you know, um, and that is just, you know, there's a for some, there's a baseball connection there. There are girls that are playing baseball and you look at their arms and, like, you think this 12-year-old who stands six feet tall, like... You know, and we watch, and this was at the centre. I was like, "Oh my god, she's so exciting! She's so exciting!" And it'll be about managing. You know, she's a kid. Mm. You know, so it's not about right. She's in the this and that. It's just about managing them, and you know, helping them with their development at a pace that their maturity level. You know, we don't want to push, push. Um, and so, yeah, I could go back to our program. So there's a quad series. We want to get our girls back into um, take a, a team into the Beth Smith and the Odahu. Really appreciative of the Odahu and Howick, like the support that they give the yeah. Junior White Sox program. Oh, it's great to see them there too. It's awesome, you know. Yeah. Um, and then pushing for NFC again, Mr. Giles. Tony Giles, CEO of Software New Zealand. So I know um, you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know them. You know with the Trans Tasman bubble, hopefully, maybe there might be an uh, opportunity to um, travel between Aussie. Yep. But our our big goal for next year, COVID, hopefully, is to take a larger squad to the states um, and put a team in a. U18 grade and a U16 grade because this is this is our catchment area, you know. And yep. for me, the the U18 now that the 22 World Cup is has been done away with, and we're going through a four year cycle, you know. I I want those girls to to experience a tour, uh, you know. It's another group of girls that miss out on a World Cup, yep. and it's like yep. that ain't cool. <laughs> like, yep. let's take them away. Let's expose them to American softball. Do the touring. Awesome, and if it inspires them, I wanted to go to college, or I want to play for the White Sox. This is where I I have a picture now of what it is to be, what the best players are doing, and so, you know, that is fingers crossed. COVID, excuse my language, fucks off. It's out of here. America's got their shit sorted. We can we yeah. can do that. Yeah, 
I guess uh, one of the things, even though the, the, the cycle is now going to be every four years uh, for mm. a World Cup, mm. having the qualifiers staged within those one or two years leading into that World Cup, that still gives opportunity for the different age groups, right, to represent their country, yeah. get us a dub there or get into the placing that's required to get to the next tournament because you have to qualify for each tournament to even make the World Cup. Now, yeah, right? absolutely. It's, um, you know... <laughs> It's it's going to be tough, you know, but um, and so yeah, our planning again is around having a wide range of girls preparing them for the different yearly um, qualifying tournaments, um, and so you know, unfortunately, we could have girls that are going to be with us for the first two years and then they age out at mm. the World Cup, which is <laughs> it's uh, ugh. um. But we, but we need that. We need them to do. You know, it's a duty of care, I suppose. If you're going to put on that junior white socks, whatever year it is, mm. you're going to pick the best players to get us through to the next stage of the qualifying tournament. And the American, you know, the whole tour to America is not just for next year. It's going to be consecutive years. Right. Um, it's going to continue because, you know, this four year cycle. You know, for me now, sitting alongside represent national pathways is college pathways because, because you know the the qualifying stage for our World Cup is going to be so tough, so tough. Yeah. And so yeah, I I want girls to be exposed, more girls. So yeah, for us the American um, tours are going to be every year as long as we're in charge, and if COVID's not here, um, to you know, add that incentive for girls to, like, stick in there. You know, these are what's on offer here. Absolutely. Mm. Well, it sounds like exciting times uh, in the New Zealand program going ahead for sure, mm. uh, Kitty. Um, we do have a couple of big things left uh, in the podcast. We haven't even touched on three generations wearing the, the white socks uh, uniform. You know, it's uh, 83 for you, 60 for mum, handful for Denver. Yeah. What does that mean for the for the household? Yeah, that's cool, eh? There's a, I mean, but... I guess, you know, you look at a lot of the softball families around, it's just a natural progression. And I guess, you know, to the, you know, the first year that I was assistant coach at the Junior White Sox, you know, with me and Denver involved in the team and mum coming along as a supporter, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I've got potentially another one coming through, you know, me, she's... She wants. She wanted mention as well. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> We're just um, leaving Sage now. <laughs> there you go, Sage. <laughs> so, um, yeah, exciting times. You know, um, I think you know the balance between being a coach. Yeah, sometimes you're harder. You are harder. Um, I guess you know. You know, you know what they're capable of as well, and I'm sure they only pick up the negative stuff. They easily forget the times where you say, "Awesome, it like awesome <laughs> that," but it's like you're always on my case. Ah. So, um, you know, just uh, I hope the girls see what I've done um, in terms of, you know, playing at the highest level, traveling. Playing overseas and sees, you know, living in other countries is just. Uh, I I want them to do that, you know. Yeah. I want them to get out of New Zealand and and live life first and foremost overseas, wherever it is. So yeah. Uh, you mentioned the background, the friendship that you've uh, got with Oops. So I'll, I'll always call it Oops. Um, but uh, how how does it feel for you to you know junior White Sox and and coaching the White Sox that you two have gone through so much and and now you're in charge of you know what's what's going forward? Yeah, I think it was. Awesome call by Roman. I actually, I remember actually when I was um, 
going to apply for the head coach for the junior white sock, I actually rang Roman and say, hey, bud, would you be interested in being, you know, assisting? He's going, well, actually, I'm going to go for the white sock. So I was like, awesome, great job. You know, he would he had a great guy to have and, in, in, you know, lead that team. Um, but I thought it was a real trump card, really, to get mm. Millie on board. Um, and again, you know, she adds that fun. She adds that relax, relaxed um, uh, approach, I guess. And, and Rome's like that as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I I bet you most of the girls don't know what a phenomenal softball player she was. And, you know, like just at the recent club nationals, you know, TA, <laughs> like, yeah, TA and Saints, arch rivals, but I yeah. swear, in the final, backing TA all day, we're talking to Millie on the fence. She's like, <laughs> oh, you know, like, I was like, Millie, you're a bloody legend, you know, like, yeah. throws her body around. Like, you know, if young kids don't see that, I'm just like, hey. look at those machines out there. Nadia, Modi, Hoho, Cindy Portai. Like, those girls come back and they, you know, are the reason that lifts that TA to, like, actually just about take it um mm. you know from the star started yeah. let's be honest star yeah, started yeah, oats team yeah. so yeah that was a cool final nice. really good ball nice very cool yeah. got a couple of questions yeah, as well if sure. you want to throw them out definitely from tegan bromhead <laughs> hey hey tegan <laughs> hey Tex. would love to hear about her catching npc tournament after giving birth to twins so soon <laughs> oh yeah that's a bit silly eh? so, uh <laughs> yeah i don't actually know why why did I get back? So it was two weeks. I actually had the twins no, December for two weeks. Yeah, I think it was yeah early January when they used to have the nationals and um <laughs> And why did she said hashtag superwoman? <laughs> hashtag superwoman. Um yeah. Well why? I don't I actually don't even know. But you know what? Same thing. I knew that I could go into that Hut Valley team environment. Was that Hut Valley or Wellington? Now I'm like a little bit um confused. Um and my teammates would have my back, and I believe I may have my roomie may have been stocky at that stage. So, no dramas for her to have like yeah. freaking two week old <laughs> twins in the same room as her. Uh, yeah, well, you played catch, you could sit down for most of the time. <laughs> yeah, so um, not like I had to like any foul balls. It's like, yeah, no, I'm not going to get up. I actually don't know why I was in a rush to get back. There might have been something coming up, but um. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> You're a machine. Do I ask the last one? What do we need to get back into the medals without the PC comments, without the cliches? Oh. Tell it like it is. Thanks, Neil. <laughs> um, Jesus. <laughs> We've got to have, like, these are cliches. This might be cliches. Like I said, I for me, what I'm seeing from the younger group of girls is to put them at a higher level so they have respond to you know and and it's up to the coaching staff i can only speak at a youth level coaching staff to pepper them up to install that belief to install that just go for it take a risk there's no expectations on us like these are the women here so just go for it um and for me from what i've seen our, our girls have been competitive so i kind of like that approach in terms of the women um i believe and i think Rome's on a good, you know, is a good thing around it, you know, um, creating a team culture, you know, around um, accountability and athletes, strengthening, 
stuff like that. And I think once people buy into that, once players buy into that, um, and that will come from the, you know, the positive relationships, you know, Rome's a real approachable. So you would feel valued in that in that environment. Um, and once, you know, athletes are going to actually thrive on competition rather than by right, well, I've been here for a few years now, you know, like well, I, I can cruise or, or whatever, or I'm the young up and coming, yeah, I'm real good, you know. But if you don't do the work, I think there's going to be real accountability. And I think from what I've seen, you know, the athletes that are the most successful are the ones that work the hardest, you yeah, know. They're absolutely. not reliant on their natural ability or what they've done before or, you know, and that they just work damn hard and they continue to work hard. And then on top of that, we've got to get overseas. We've got to play the best. Um, and we've got to learn from that. And we've got to come back and continue to refine. And and maybe it is to put us against the men as well, you know. I was a bit, you know, when the Giddings girls, they yeah. were playing in the bay, they were playing yeah. in us. Bit dubious about having a picture on the mound, you know, with women guys so much stronger stuff yeah. like that. Um, but it didn't do them any harm, you know. And maybe that's for our pitchers and our players to like, well, hit me the ball hard. I'm going to make a play, you know, and not have that fear. So you know, limited resources. Um, I can see that's the only way, just playing at a higher standard, mm. but doing the work to be selected for these teams, um, you know, and, and, yeah, play that competition. Higher level, better competition. hope that wasn't cliche, yes. I think it's uh, right <laughs> on the money. And it, uh, we look forward to that. We look forward to the pathway that Roman Gabriel with the Sky Sport White Sox team and yourself, Kitty, Bree, and um, Dave and Andy, your management crew there with the Junior White Sox. We're, we're super excited to see where you're going to take the program I love how you're being inclusive with so many players, so can only be good times ahead. So look forward to that for sure. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay, while you've got your coach's hat on, let's go on to the next segment. Of course, a couple of weeks ago, we got Lara Andrews to make a selection for the Beyond the Dugout All-World Women's Team selection. So with your coach's hat on, you can pick one player in one position from any era or any country in the world. Mm-hmm. Where you go. Okay, I've got two. I'm, I'm just saying these are my two picks, and then I'm going to have to choose one. So um, they're both third bases. Uh, and so back in the days, there's Lisa Fernandez, who was the competitor of competitors. So current uh, assistant coach, at, pitching coach at UCLA now. Yeah. Um, just, just a rock star. Just give me the ball, whatever. You know, played third base. And then... Um, like and hit at four or five and then when she wasn't playing third base she was on the mound you know so she'd literally go from third base there throw same thing give me the ball I'm your person um and so for for me the the athlete and that person to go from third base starting third base to either starting pitcher or come in pitcher hit four or five does that not tell you like what an athlete what a competitor she was and so um she was doing some funky stuff with her, like threw hard. All the Americans throw hard, but just change of yeah, she was phenomenal. And then Stacy Porter, like I see the brain, she's Amazon, another Amazonic Aussie woman. Like you could put her in a men's team and she wouldn't look out of place. Like she's phenomenal. Um and so she plays corners. So um you know what? I'm gonna have to go the multi athlete, um, and that is Fernandez. 
Lisa Fernandez as my third base pick. So, um, yeah, Lisa Fernandez as the third base slash pitcher. <laughs> Lisa Fernandez on the corner. We've got uh, Monica Abbott on the, on the mound. Yeah, so, yeah. there you go. So, the number two pick for the Beyond the Dugout All World Women's Selection. And here from Kitty Shaw will be Lisa Fernandez from the USA starting at third base. Lock her in. Team is coming together nicely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kitty, coming up next week, we have got uh, um, one of, uh, I guess, arguably uh, one of the best captains, but definitely longest career uh, in the Black Sox and probably becoming one of the premier coaches here domestically, and Nathan Nukunuku. Your thoughts on him? Might have heard of him. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, Nate walks the talk, man, like just – He's a, you know, he's a baller. We're all yeah. ballers, um, but just his his confidence and everything he does. He's a he's a battler. He's a competitor, and you know, he just loves to strut his stuff, doesn't he? And um, you know, it's, I think <laughs> whether you like him or not, because he's quite outspoken. Obviously, he 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 lives up to his name. You know, he's what he says. Well, he's he's doesn't care, you know, and I think he's a lot of his comments are spot on, to be honest. Um, but yeah, he's a phenomenal player and, and good fun to watch. And, um, you know, before our kids start taking on that confidence, <laughs> confidence approach, they need to have the skills that Nate has, you know, and uh, yeah, good on him. Like it's really, you know, there's, there's different demeanors I guess or different images that different players project and, and Nate's you know unique in his own approach so I think it's really good fun to see um you know players if players had the chance to see him play I know he's still playing but yeah kind of playing <laughs> kind of playing <laughs> kind of playing <laughs> uh, well, when he puts himself on yeah, fantastic uh Kitty uh, Look, uh, on behalf of uh, myself and obviously the beyond the dugout it's just such a pleasure to have you in here opening up you know, telling us behind the scenes what it was like to grow up in the Saints, Fano uh, environment, and some of the role models you've had and great coaches you've had, but and, and the things you've done, becoming an Olympian, walking into that opening ceremony, but uh, just sharing those stories. But the the pathway you're on right now of passing that, but passing that information on to the next generation to hope to create some more Olympians for this country. Mm. I mean, that for me is. Yeah. Ticks all the boxes. Yeah. And, you know, like with the Aussies going to the Olympics, you know, this is, you hear the voices from within that team, you know, as soon as it became, you know, as soon as it got added to this Olympics, you know, they've been dreaming of this for, you know, four or five years now. And so for us, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's time to sit back. It's time to watch. It's time to take on that level that we're going to see on TV at the Olympics. And then, you know, Rome, Millie, myself, we've got eight years to plan for, uh, you know, to plan to have the athletes in place to make those qualifying stages. Um, and we can do it, you know, if, with the right mindset, with the right culture, hard work, you know, we can do it, absolutely. Yeah. Positivity. Positivity. <laughs> yeah. Great attitude, great work ethic. Those are all good morals being passed on here. Well, thank you very much, Kitty Shaw, with a long career for the New Zealand Sky Sport White Sox team. Uh, 23 years in international play, five World Cups, four senior, one junior, and of course you can't go past, she's an Olympian from 2000 
What an amazing person she has been here on the couch with us today. Now, the head coach of the Junior White Sox. What coaching team is next? We'll find out in years to come. Thank you so much, Kitty. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, look, I just want to acknowledge what you guys are doing. You know, I hate these things. I really do. And it's like, man, can't you guys find someone else? Like, <laughs> fresher face, younger face or whatever. Um, but, you know, what you're doing for the profile of uh, softball and, you know, the profile of our softballers for other listeners and to hear their, you know, for other listeners to hear their insights of, of softball players and maybe their their idols and stuff. I think it's awesome. So, um, you know, well done to you two for picking this up. And, uh, you know, I've been having a lot of laughs with the last couple of um, po- – and I'm not even a podcast, <laughs> don't even say it, person, but it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to listen, you know, listen. So, yep. Tune me. I'm I'm a podcast listener, but yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for saying yes the very first time we asked you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I kept getting these texts like, oh shit, do I have to reply? Like, There's got to be someone else. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I appreciate it. Oh, fantastic. Well, she may not sing like Kitty Takanawa, but boy, <laughs> oh boy, she can ball like the best limb in the world, even like Lisa Fernandez, Kitty Shaw from New Zealand Softball and the Junior White Sox. Pretty sure, man. What uh, what a phenomenal uh, storyline! Oh, absolutely. Um, for what sixteen to come through, and um, she didn't exactly have uh, small shoes to fill. She had some pretty big ones, but did she actually? I mean, it sounds like she was nurtured in a great environment for her life that was in front of her, and she she made the most of everything that's in front of her. The thing that sticks sticks with me, uh, and look, an amazing career. An Olympian. I mean, just just to be called an Olympian, boy, Five that's rings, just, yeah. that's it, right? Um, but uh, she's been surrounded all her life amongst good people that have passed it on, and now she's that good people that passes it on. That's the cool thing. Yeah. One thing that I've noticed in our in our what six episodes now is that all these amazing ballers that have these great careers and great stories to tell, each one of them. Their purpose, their 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 main priority these days, is to nurture that that next generation coming through and making sure that they have all the tools that that they learned from coming through themselves. You know, um, they didn't they don't have to. They could sit back, put up their feet, and and all that stuff. But you know, we've had the the Black Sox um, coach, we've had now a junior White Sox coach, we've had the White Sox captain, like, and each one of them have all said, you know, they're just all about just the next pathways and that's just awesome yeah it is indeed well Nathan looking to go next week man boy you're talking about bad coaches <laughs> domestically boy the guy's he's untouchable right now absolutely um, Auckland walked away with it this year Ramblers walked away with it this year and um, yeah Nate he's just a student and of the fastball game. 45 oh, sorry fastball 45 I forget that I keep on forgetting that good good and uh, little gem that we had this season someone stop looking would you please and now yeah yeah, just, yeah, boy, mate. He, but he just is a student of the game, isn't he? And I just can't wait to get inside that mind. Mad respect. Mm. Mad respect. And of course, highest uh, ever test caps for New Zealand uh, and longest time in the Sox as well. Man, what a career. Absolutely. Only player to play over 200 games for the Black Sox. And um, yeah, hell of a career. Hell of a career on and off as well. You know, um, I'm sure he dabbled in rugby uh, once or twice. So um, yeah, no, it's. Um, it's a, it's a softball mind that we're going to dissect next week and it's going to be awesome. 
Will be indeed. I think it's a chance to pull the curtain back. Some people might look at him from the outside and say, is he arrogant? Mm-hmm. You know what? You're going to find out next week whether he is or he isn't or what makes the mind of Nathan Nukunuku tick. I just hear domestically, internationally, USA, that works. No holds barred. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, or hold your opinions to yourself, to be honest, because, you know, uh, for someone to have those accolades, yeah, they've got to be a, a certain mindset, don't they? And um, what works for, Lala said it first week, what works for that person works for that person, and what works for Nathan Nukunuku <laughs> absolutely works for Nathan Nukunuku. <laughs> <laughs> it does indeed. Well, that'll do us here in episode six. Kitty Shaw, thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Beyond the, the Dugout. Great to have you along on Friday Drive Time. We'll see you all next Friday. That's the 28th of May with Nathan Nukunuku on Beyond the Dugout. See you guys. Check her. Bye. Beyond the dugout, lace them up and we run out Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out Picture on the mound like you don't wanna face this Hit it so hard, you be running round the bases Do it for your teammates, do it for the fam Do it for your city, true ballers understand You gotta work together, you gotta find a way Put your body on the line and make that play Beyond the dugout, lace them up and we run out Step up to the place, swing away, or you get struck out Picture on the mound like you don't wanna face this Hit it so hard, you be running round the bases Beyond the dugout Beyond the dugout. Beyond the dugout. Beyond the dugout.